Today's scripture reading is taken from Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, which is found on page 966 in your pew Bibles. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. The word of the Lord. We're taking a short break from our series on the miracles of Jesus for a very good and excellent reason because we have the privilege of having Ken Shigematsu as a guest speaker with us this morning. So I'll invite Ken up as I introduce him and then we'll pray for him and I'm very excited to hear what God has to say to us through him. Ken is the senior pastor of 10th Church in Vancouver, the author of international bestseller God in My Everything and most recently Survival Guide for the Soul and on the board of um, world Vision and does all sorts of amazing things and so we're very glad to have Ken with us this morning and let's pray for him as he prepares to share God's word. God, we are grateful for Ken. We're grateful for the ministry you've given him of being a pastor and an author and an advocate for children. We pray that you would bless him as he shares your word with us this morning and that you would give us open hearts and minds to receive from him the special thing you have for us uniquely this morning. We pray that the words of his mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Thank you so much, Nick. It's great to be back in Knox Presbyterian. I absolutely love this church. When I was here last time and I felt this way again, that you have the most meaningful calls to worship, very thoughtful and very God-honoring. And I'm in Vancouver, as was mentioned, and when people move from Vancouver to Toronto, they often do because Toronto, of course, is the real center of the country. Um, I, I recommend that they come to Knox Presbyterian, and so Jane moved recently from Vancouver to Toronto, and. She was with us and she asked, what, where should I go to church? And I said, you, know, you should go to Knox. And so glad to see you here. And uh, grateful for the friendship with your senior minister, Phil. I know he just began his sabbatical, so Nick's at the helm, in case you didn't know, for the next uh, 11 weeks or so. So thanks for hosting. And, and uh, Phil has written beautiful prayers, as many of you know. I've really benefited from seeking God's face. And so Nick mentioned the book Survival Guide for the Soul. I've taken some of his prayers at the end of the chapters, adapted them as sort of the closing entry point into God's presence. And so I'm really thankful for him and his ministry. So I was raised primarily here in Canada, but I was actually born in Japan. I ended up marrying a woman from Japan, and so I'm back on a fairly regular basis. And when I'm back in Japan, I sometimes wonder to myself, what would my life had been like if our family hadn't moved away when I was so young? What if I had not only been, am I hearing an echo? Um, I can usually handle it, that's better. Maybe I'm moving around too much. Uh, what would my life have been like if 
I hadn't just been born in Japan, but if I had been raised there as well. And I start to think of all the pressure I would have been under to get admitted into the right preschool and kindergarten. And then eventually, all the pressure I would have been under to get accepted at the right university. And then the pressure I would have been under to be accepted by the right company, to be hired by the right corporation. And so I will breathe a sigh of relief and I'll say, thank God I wasn't raised in such a relentless rat race. But if I'm honest with myself, having been raised here in Canada, I haven't escaped that pressure to achieve. Do you want me to use a handheld? Might that be a little easier? I'm totally good. This happens at our church too, so. Do you, do you prefer, should I just use a handheld? If I just, do you want me to move? Don't, don't come too far forward. Okay, I'll back up a little bit. Okay, got it, thanks. So it's good to be under direction. Okay, right here. okay all right. Is this better? Okay, all right. So here in Canada, I haven't escaped that pressure to achieve. When I was younger, I felt the pressure to achieve in sports and in school, and then I felt the pressure to achieve when I was working in the corporate world. And even as a pastor, which you may think as being a less competitive vocation, I still feel the pressure to get things done. Now, ambition is a good thing, but if you have ever felt the pressure to achieve as a student at work, in a relationship, or some other sphere of life, to prove that you are enough in some way, then life can begin to feel like a burden. And so if you've ever felt the pressure to accomplish things in order to feel like you are enough, then Jesus has some very good news for us this morning. He says to us in the Gospel of Matthew, as we've heard, these words of invitation for you here at Knox. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am humble and gentle of heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let's pray. Living God, we pray that through your Holy Spirit, as Nick mentioned earlier, you would enable us to receive the gifts you want for us. We pray that you would awaken our hearts so that we might receive the yoke that Jesus has uniquely crafted for us that we might live light and free. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. And so in this message, I want us to explore how we can live a life of significant contribution, not out of an anxious need to prove something, but out of a deep place of inner rest and gratitude that comes from knowing that we are already accepted, in fact, cherished by the one who matters most. I also want us to explore maybe two or three spiritual practices that can awaken us in fresh ways to a sense that we truly are God's beloved. So Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Literally, I will rest you. How so? Jesus says, by placing my yoke upon you. Now, when Jesus says, I want to place my yoke upon you, I hope it's obvious enough, but Jesus is not referring to a yellow egg yoke. 
That would be sort of messy. (laughs) Jesus is referring to a wooden bar that was placed across the back of the neck of an ox, enabling it to more easily pull a heavy load. And so here, Jesus is comparing you and me to an ox. It's not very flattering. If we're Canadians, we would rather be compared to what? Maybe an industrious beaver, our national animal. If you happen to be visiting or living here but are from the United States, maybe you would prefer to be compared to a soaring eagle. But Jesus here compares us neither to an industrious beaver nor to a soaring eagle, but to an ox. Not very complimentary, but it is apt because like an ox, we can feel weighted down by all kinds of burdens and pressures. Now, when Jesus' first century hearers first heard these words, they would have felt weighted down by things like, will I have enough money to feed my family as they were living in a farming-based subsistence economy day to day? Those who were parents of children in this original setting would have felt concern about the well-being of their children in a world where most newborns did not live to see the age of 20. Now today, we can have concerns about finances. We can also have concerns about the well-being of our loved ones. But we also carry a burden that people in the first century world did not feel as heavily. We can feel the burden of, am I achieving enough? Am I enough? People in Jesus' world would not have felt this burden as heavily because they were living in a world where your station in life was largely determined by the family you were born into and your social circumstances. We live in a place like Toronto where we can rise through education or through our work. We can rise socially. But what if in this world where we can rise, we don't become really successful? What if we don't become the person that someone else projected we would become one day or that we ourselves hoped we would become one day? We can feel like a failure. We can feel like we're not enough. We can feel like a loser. And so if you've ever felt the burden to achieve, Jesus has some very good news for you. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will rest you. How so? By placing my yoke upon your shoulders. Now, some of you may be saying, in order for me to rest, I don't need a yoke across my shoulders. I I need a nap, or I need a massage, some time with a spa. Or as the weather, I'm glad that the weather is so mild this weekend, but as the weather surely will get colder here in Toronto, I need an all-expense-paid vacation to the Caribbean. But Jesus says, some of you, inwardly, I know you're Presbyterians, we're saying amen like a Baptist, you know. (laughs) But Jesus is saying, if you want to rest deeply in your body and in your soul, wear my yoke. Why? Because the yokes that we are wearing don't fit us very well. They chafe against the back of our neck and they weight us down. And some of the heaviest yokes of all can be the yokes of our own self-expectations. And we can get trapped in an if-then kind of thinking. If only I 
maybe when we were younger, can get accepted into the right school, then I'll feel better about myself. Or if only I can be hired by the right company or organization, then I'll feel good about me. Or if only I can finally buy a house here in Toronto. That's sort of maybe unrealistic. (laughs) Then I'll feel all grown up. But Sean Acor, a psychologist who teaches at Harvard, points out that this if-then kind of thinking cannot be supported by science because every time we achieve a goal, our brain moves the goalpost as to what success looks like. So if you get admitted to the right school, the goalpost changes. Now, you need to get good grades. You get hired by the right company, the goalpost moves. Now you need to stand out in that company. Miracle of miracles, you're finally able to buy a house in Toronto. Goalpost moves. Now you want a bigger house or a house in a better neighborhood. Our sense of being enough isn't something that we achieve. It's something that we receive. Have any of you seen the movie Cool Runnings by chance? Yeah, so someone over here. Cool Runnings was loosely based on the real-life story of Jamaica, yes, Jamaica, attempting to field their first ever bobsledding team at the Calgary Olympic Games in 1988. And there's a scene in the movie where the coach, who has won two gold medals, walks into a room and he sees that his star bobsledder, Darius, is carefully studying the bobsled course. And Darius feels the weight of the world upon his shoulders because he feels, if only I can win a gold medal at these Olympic Games, people will finally see me as successful and they'll respect me. The coach who I mentioned has won two gold medals, walks into the room and sees the pressure that Darius is under. And he looks at Darius and says, Darius, winning a gold medal is a wonderful thing, but if you're not enough without the gold medal, You won't be enough with it. And if we're not enough without the gold medal or whatever the gold medal represents to us, we won't be enough once we attain it. We won't be enough with it. Our sense of being enough is not something that we achieve. It's something that we receive. It's not something that we construct for ourselves. It's something that is conferred upon us by another. And Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. How so? By placing my yoke upon your shoulders. What is that yoke? Well, in the text, it's not immediately clear. And when a word in the Bible isn't clear, one of the best ways to figure out its meaning is by looking at the context. We scroll back four or five verses, we see that Jesus is just exalting in the wonder of his father's love for him. He says, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have revealed your truth, not so much to the best and the brightest, but to children and to those who approach you with the humility of a child. Jesus is just basking in the gift of his father's love for him. And according to pastor and New Testament scholar, Daryl Johnson, the yoke that Jesus wants you to wear is the yoke that he himself wore, and the yoke that Jesus himself wore was the yoke of his 
unique father's love for him. And the yoke that he wants you to wear is the yoke of your father's unique love for you. And if you will live with the sense that you are deeply loved, that you are yoked in your Father's love, your Father in heaven, your perfect Father in heaven's love, as simple as it sounds, it will change the way you move through the world. So let me give an example. A number of years ago, when I was single, I was back in Japan, and I was there to engage in a very personal conversation with a friend of mine on a remote island. And during the conversation, the name of my friend's friend from his university days, Sakiko, came up. And I blurted out really honestly, you know, I've, I've always liked her. I've always liked, liked her. And my friend said, well, she's, you know, she's still single and still beautiful. You really should call her. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm not, I'm, I'm not here to socialize. Oh, no, 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 no. She had such a good impression of you. She asked about you. She'd be thrilled to hear from you. I don't. I have no idea what to say. And he pulls out his phone and he calls her. And I'm like, I, I don't know what to And the phone's ringing and I put it to my ear. And she picks up. And I say, hi. Hi, um, this, is, uh, this is Ken from Canada. There's a pause on the other end of the line. And she asks, are you the guy who went to Berkeley? Like, no, no. Uh, that was actually Jeff. <laughs> she had no idea, no recollection of who I was at all. I said, um, by, by chance, would you be free for coffee on Wednesday? She says, no, no, I, I, I'm really busy on Wednesday. I don't know what came over me, but then I said, I don't know what your plans are, but can you change them? <laughs> now, I wasn't calculating this in the moment, but later I thought, uh, in Japanese culture, as you may or may not know, it's very difficult psychologically to say no to someone twice in a row. So the cultural norms were working in my favor. <laughs> There's a verse about that, Romans 8.28 or something. Not, not referring to me in that case. But um, anyway, we went out for coffee. Uh, it didn't go very well. But we did get married. <laughs> not then and there, but eventually. And I look back on that experience, and you wouldn't know this about me, but I have a terror. I'm terrified of rejection especially rejection in romantic pursuit. So I wonder, how was it that I was able to put myself out like that for potential heartache and humiliation and rejection? And I think part of the answer to that question is that I was slowly learning to wear the yoke of the Father's love on my shoulders. And when you know that you are deeply loved by your Father, even if you naturally have a fear of rejection, you tend to become a little bit bolder, a little bit more confident, a little bit more willing to take a risk in a relationship, in some other venture. And it's not that failure or rejection will no longer hurt, but you just become a little bit more buoyant, a little bit more resilient, a little bit more daring because you know that you are already loved. And it's powerful. And as Nick mentioned, I've written this book recently called Survival Guide for the Soul, How to Flourish Spiritually in a World that Pressures Us to Achieve. And your pastor Phil read it, and he asked me to come and speak about this today. And it 
lists some of the survival habits of the soul that enable us to live yoked to the Father's love. So let me just share a few of them now. I'm a very easily distracted kind of person, as you might have noticed. And, uh, and so at any given time, I can feel like there are 128 monkeys jumping around in my head. And so at some point in the morning, I'll simply take some time to sit and breathe deeply. Breathing in through my nose deeply, and then exhaling slowly. Breathing in through my nose slowly, deeply, exhaling slowly. And then I start to wonder, how much time has gone by anyway? And so I'll reach for my phone, not to check my messages, but to open up a free app called Centering Prayer. I do prefer the free apps. And there's a timer that I might set to 15 or 20 minutes so I'm not thinking about the time. A chime will go off as though I were at a monastery being summoned by a bell to pray. Continue breathing deeply in through my nose, exhaling slowly. Breathing in deeply, exhaling slowly. And then I'll start to think of all the things I ought to be doing my to-do list. And so I'll reach for my Bible and I might just draw on a passage that's familiar to me, like the one we just sung. And every time my mind wanders, I'll repeat the passage as an affirmation. Be still and know that I am God. Breathing in deeply, be still and know that I am God. Let me just change the scenery just for a moment. I'm from Vancouver, as I mentioned, live not that far from the water. Love being on the water, especially during the warmer months of the year, kayaking, sailing, don't own a sailboat, but have friends who do. And there have been times when I've been out on the ocean and I have seen salmon jumping out of the water at a 45 degree angle. Last year, I had the gift of seeing a pod of dolphins up close. On rare occasions, I've seen whales in the distance. And there are times when I am seated in God's presence, breathing deeply, and I simply feel upheld by the beautiful mystery that upholds the whole world in me. There are other times when I've been out at sea and I've seen a styrofoam cup bouncing up and down on the surface of the water or an empty Coke bottle or a film of oil on the surface of the sea. And there have been times when I'm sitting, breathing deeply in the presence of God and anxiety rises up in my spirit. Maybe a fear, maybe a painful memory, maybe a feeling of envy towards someone. And I just lift these emotions up to God and I feel lighter and freer. I feel more at peace. And when my 20 minutes are done, 15 or 20, chime sounds and I open my eyes and I feel just a bit more relaxed and throughout the day just a bit more focused and aware of the yoke of the Father's love across my shoulders.
And then a second survival habit of the soul that I practice is a prayer of gratitude. I engage in some prayerful meditation in the morning, and then in the evening I'll open up another free app, as I said, I prefer the free apps, called Reexamining the Examine. And this app will play a little bit of music, I don't know if you can hear that. And then it'll invite me to look back over the last 24 hours or so and to consider two or three things that I'm grateful for. This prayer of examine will. And so I'll do that. I'll do that, in fact, right on the spot, if that's okay with you. So I'm, I'm really grateful to have been able to arrive in Toronto last night and go for a late night swim that sort of relaxes me and helps me adjust to the new time zone. It was an indoor pool, in case you were wondering. I was grateful to have uh, breakfast with some of my World Vision colleagues who are on the board this morning in Mississauga. I'm grateful that I found Knox. I thought my, uh, I'd lost my phone charger and that I would run out of juice and I get lost, so I'm grateful to be here, and I'm really happy to be with you, a church, a community that I love and that I have great affection for and that I admire. I know it sounds really simple, but according to studies coming out of places like Harvard, if you will spend three or four minutes pausing and giving thanks for two or three things in your day and just savoring those things, it will literally change the way you move through the world. Have you ever been in the market for a new car or a car that was new for you? So my, my colleague recently was in, a, in the market for an Austin Mini Cooper. And so she started noticing Austin Mini Coopers everywhere in Vancouver. It wasn't like the dealership, you know, the, the dealer um, at the dealership thought, oh, uh, Edlin, oh, she's, she's on the fence about buying an Austin Mini Cooper. I'm going to flood her neighborhood with these cars, these little cars from England. She was thinking about it, so she was primed to notice them. And if you will take a few minutes to identify two or three things that felt like gifts from the day, each day, you'll start to notice more good things coming into your life, and it'll start to seem like your life is actually improving, though objectively speaking, it may not be. And when you associate those good things with God's love for you, you wear more of the yoke of the Father's love across your shoulders. Powerful. Third survival habit of the soul that I practice is Sabbath. Sabbath is one of the Ten Commandments, but it is a life-giving call, especially if you tend to be a workaholic. You don't need to be Asian to be a workaholic, by the way. You just need to be from Toronto. (laughs) Part of the gift of Sabbath is that it reminds us that our identity isn't formed primarily by making bricks for Pharaoh but by the simple glorious fact that you are a beloved daughter or son of the living God. My wife and I have an 11-year-old son named Joey. Joey is not especially productive, as Jane may recall. He loves to play with his toys, doesn't enjoy cleaning his room. He makes no money for our household, but he loves money. At his 10th birthday party, he, was, uh, he had some uh, friends gathered for a party from his class, and he opened up one of the cards and out wafted out a cash bill. And he looked at his friend and said, why, thank you, I love cash. (laughs) So he doesn't make any money, though he loves money. And uh, a few years ago, he was getting sent out of class from time to time with some of the other rowdy boys. He's doing better now in school. 
but we don't love our son Joey because he's productive or because he earns money for our household or because he's doing well at school or not so much. We love him simply because he's alive and he's breathing. And when we pause for Sabbath, we are reminded that we are loved not because we are productive or successful, but because we are breathing, because we are alive, because we are God's beloved boy, because we're his beloved girl. And Sabbath is a way to wear the yoke of the Father's love across our shoulders. As I mentioned, uh, Phil wanted me to speak on this book's revival guide for the soul, how to flourish spiritually in a world that pressures us to achieve. And we've got some copies available in the Winchester room just through these doors after the service. 100% of all the proceeds go to World Vision and to missions that work with vulnerable children. And so um, from my first book, God in My Everything, we were able to give $300,000 away to missions that work with vulnerable children in Cambodia. A number of you helped with that because you got copies of that, that, that first book. And we're able to offer the book at our friends and family discounted rate. It's less than half the retail price at $10. But I want to say this, and I want to say it sincerely. If you're here and you can't afford the $10, I'm happy to gift the book to you. I've set aside some of my own money. I've got a credit card that will work here, I'm pretty sure. And I'm glad to gift the book for you. When I first became a pastor, uh, my salary was $200 a month. That was a long time ago, but even if you adjust for inflation, that wasn't very much money. So I couldn't afford to buy books. And so on my day off, I would go into chapters and I would find a book that I really wanted to read, pull it off the shelf, and then I'd sort of sit low and read, 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 read. And then when I was done, I would find a piece of paper and I would put the paper where I'd finished reading. I'd put the book back on the shelf and I'd pray, God, don't let anyone buy the book. <laughs> I'd come back seven days later and continue reading. So if that's you, I'd be glad to gift you with a copy. And if you have friends that are driven, um, or fear rejection and want to live more boldly. As someone recently told me as they were reading this book, I, I fear rejection, I just want to live with more boldness. Uh, I'll be glad to sign copies for you or your friends afterwards in the room back here. Uh, let me close with this. When I was making the transition from the corporate world to the world of vocational pastoring ministry, I enrolled in something called the Arrow Leadership Program. You've heard of that? I think Phil Reinders, any of you enrolled in that? Your pastor enrolled in that as well. I happened to be part of the first class, the pilot class, led by Leighton Ford. Do you know that name? Leighton Ford is a Christian leader who was born right here in the city of Toronto. Just texted him as the service was beginning, letting him know I was in his hometown. And is the brother-in-law to the late Billy Graham. I was the youngest person in my Arrow class, the least experienced in Christian ministry. And so I was really desperate, insecurely desperate to impress the founder, Leighton Ford. And once in class, I raised my hand real high and I was able to summarize a very obscure book written by an MIT professor. I was trying really hard. But then, as a young Christian leader, I stumbled. I got into a conflict with someone that I was working with because of my own immaturity and self-centeredness. I was in a dating relationship where we were struggling to maintain certain boundaries. And this is what I discovered in my failure, that Leighton Ford's acceptance of me was not dependent on my performance 
or my capacity to contribute something to his organization. He loved me and accepted me just because for no apparent reason. Fast forward 20, 25 years later, we've become close friends. I feel more at home in my skin with him than ever before. And it's not that I no longer want to make something out of my life and ministry in part to honor his investment in me, but it no longer comes out of this anxious need to prove something to him, to be accepted by him, because I already am. And this is my hope and prayer for you here at Knox Presbyterian. My hope and prayer is that insofar as your life for God and for the world is concerned, you will just go for it and offer your very best. But not out of an anxious, desperate need to prove that you are enough, but out of a deep place of peace and gratitude that comes from knowing that you are already accepted by the very one who matters most. Let's pray together. You know, as I talk about being God's girl or God's boy, if there's some kind of disconnect, if you don't really relate to that, I want you to know that the reason why Christmas last month was such a big, big deal is because it's the celebration of the God who became one of us, a human being, a baby, a child, and then lived a perfect life and in his early 30s voluntarily laid his life down on a cross, mysteriously absorbing into himself our sin and our shame so that we could be forgiven and freed of these things. And if you want, you can say in your heart right now, I don't understand it all, but God, would you make me your girl? Would you make me your boy? I offer myself to you. Make me yours, and he will. And if you've offered your life to God or if you've done this in the past, listen to the words of Jesus one last time. As he says to you, he calls you by name and he says, come to me if you are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you, the yoke of my Father's unique love for you upon your shoulders. And if you want, you can say, Jesus, would you place the yoke of your Father's love on my shoulders too. And he will. Say, place it there now. And it's not a yoke that will weigh you down. It's a yoke that will lift you up and make you light and free. So live light and free and with joy because Jesus has got you yoked. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.